the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Radio. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Wednesday morning. We're so glad to have you with us today. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido and Johnny Abair. Hey, guys. Happy Good Wednesday. Morning. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Good morning. Nice to have morning. you with us, happy, Johnny. Yeah, and a happy Advent to all of you. The first week of Advent. It's great, isn't it? It is. It is. We are remembering today... St. Andrew, yes, uh, uh, St. Andrew, wish we could all be a little like St. Andrew calling others to the Lord, huh? So we're going to hear more about this today in our gospel. Um, so this prayer this morning, and we can remember in particularly uh, Father Otis Young and Father Jimmy Jeanfro, our local mm-hmm. priests in the New Orleans area, as we call upon St. Andrew, and now let's do that and get our day started off in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. Heavenly Father, as you called St. Andrew to be your disciple, we remember today all those who have followed in his example to serve in your holy church, in particular our priests who serve us, your people, and who offer the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Guide them and protect them from the evil one. Give them every grace to live out the vocations and joyful expectation of your coming, especially this Advent season. As we celebrate them, we also pray for priests and helpers that we have lost all too soon from this world, particularly Father Otis Young and Father Jimmy Jeanfro. May your perpetual light shine upon them as they enter the place you have prepared for them. And may all of us be prepared for your coming each and every moment of our lives. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that prayer, Johnny. It was beautiful. And we continue to pray for Father Otis Young and Father Jimmy Jeanfro, the parishioners of Immaculate Conception in Morero, and of course, St. Peter's Parish in Covington. Well, we have a great show for you today, starting off with Johnny's Gospel Reflection. That'll be in about six minutes. Johnny has wonderful insights on today's Gospel, so join us for that. In 18 minutes, Shane Kapler joins us to talk about his book called The Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration, Devotion to the Immaculate Heart in Light of Scriptures. That's going to be a great interview. In 35 minutes, Father Nathan O'Halloran joins us. He's a professor of religious studies at Loyola University in New Orleans and the director of Catholic Studies program. Today, he's going to be talking about his call to the priesthood, his vocation story. So stay tuned for that. I always love listening to vocation stories. And in 48 minutes, uh, Leticia Adams joins us to talk about her book called Our Lady of Hot Messes, Getting Real with God in Dive Bars and Confessionals. This is going to be such a fun interview. Looking forward to that one. And hey, we met our goal for I Give Catholic. We raised over $5,000. So thank you so much to our donors. We had 51 donors total. Thank you so much. And you guys, something else that's also very exciting is today is the last day of her 
game season. So I don't know. I always oh, love okay. that last day. Uh, so it's going to be a good one. Right, it guys? is. It is going to be a good one. Unfortunately, there are still some folks that are dealing with the weather. Uh, you know, there were more than two dozen reports of tornadoes from Louisiana to Mississippi to Alabama since yesterday afternoon. All that weather we anticipated. It was loud uh, last night. I don't know about y'all, but at my house it was, um, but not near what um, our neighbors have received uh, in, in neighboring states. So there are damaging storms that continue to go across the south in the same line of storms that we had uh, last night. So uh, there is a, a tornado watch for southern Alabama, Florida, Panhandle, and the extreme southwest. Uh, tonight will be clear and cool with lows in the mid-30s. So it is looking up for us. It's five minutes after the hour on Wake Up. Blessed Feast of St. Andrew the Apostle, today's gospel comes to us from Matthew chapter 4. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. He walked along from there and saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Thank you, Father Chris Decker. Well, guys, at first, doesn't this seem to what we would call today impulsive? <laughs> you know, if you have impulsive <laughs> children. Uh, at once, they left their nets and followed him. They left their boat and their father and follow, followed him. Um, if you think about that, you know, imagine like today as you're walking from your uh, where you parked to your to your place of work and some guy you don't even know walks by and tells you, forget the job. Don't worry about the family business. I got far more for you to do. Come follow me. Hmm, yeah. On the surface, that seems kind of impulsive, at least. Right. Yes. But but, uh, but maybe not. You know, you think about this. What if this, you know, that somehow this was the moment you had been waiting for your entire life. You'd been dreaming, dreaming about it. You've been restless about it. You've been telling yourself that uh, if the opportunity ever came to find something meaningful in your life, you're going to not hesitate. You're going to jump after it. Uh, and you have this desire. It won't go away. Uh, you're waiting. It's like you're waiting for your knight in shining armor to come along. Problem is you don't know when. You don't know what he's going to look like. But in the gospel today, we see Jesus walks by and he looks in their eyes, looks in our eyes, and there's no doubt, you know. So we say, you know, Advent's all about expecting the Lord. But in a lot of ways, Advent is the Lord expecting us, preparing us. And, and perhaps that's all what was going on with Andrew, with Peter, James, John, uh, not just in these men, but the entire world was uh, put on notice. Was actually, Jesus was the only one pre-announced that he was coming. This is, uh, for example, if you look in the Old Testament, someone once uh, did a probability, an estimate of Jesus fulfilling even just some of the Old Testament prophecies. And these uh, book in a book called Science Speaks, Peter Stoner and Robert Newman wrote, and about this probability and predicted that uh, 
the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling some of these prophecies, I think it was, uh, you know, uh, maybe like nine of the prophecies, actually eight, one, that the probability was one out of 10 to the 17th power, wow. which means like, that's pretty highly unlike almost, uh, uh, it'd be like uh, finding one silver dollar in a sea of silver dollars stacked two feet deep across the whole state of Texas <laughs> to kind of b- mind boggling. But, you know, it wasn't just the Jews that was expecting or was given a pre-announcement to come. We read about uh, Tacitus in the ancient Roman Empire wrote that the West was to prevail from Judea would come the master and ruler of the world. Virgil even wrote that a king would come who they would whom they must recognize in order to be saved, including, quote, a chaste woman smiling on her infant boy with whom the Iron Age would pass away. Even on the other side of the world, in China, uh, was expecting him, the so-called Annals of the Celestial Empire. It was stated that a great wise man would be born in the West. And it's recorded that uh, on a specific night, a great light shone into the palace of the king. So much so, the king gathered all of his great sages and, and scholars, and they showed him their books, which said that there would be a great saint appearing in the West whose religion was to come to their country. And then, of course, we know about the Magi, you know, seeing all the signs in the heavens. I always find it interesting that modern astrologers, astronomers can go back, reconstruct the night events. And they all indicate, even though there's slightly different, there's different uh, theories on this. There's a, there was a rare and bright alignment of stars and planets that even amateur astrologers of that age would have seen as a great king was about to be born in Israel. And so this fact, among many, you know, distinguishes Jesus from all other figures. Uh, Father uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen wrote about this significantly in the fact that he was pre-announced. Not so the case with Buddha, Muhammad, Socrates, Confucius, and of course, none of them foretold that they would rise from the dead. So here we are, guys, in the first week of Advent and where we recall all these events and prepare for his coming. And so we start off, we you know, with the question, that question, are we prepared to meet him? But also uh, ask the other way, you know, Advent may is also be about Jesus expecting us, preparing mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So our job, right, is to basically get ready to look at, for our knight in shining armor, our king each and every moment. Uh, in, in our lives. So we're off to a good start. Um, hopefully get our Advent candles out and uh, hope, hopefully we're all getting ready. Which say you guys? That's right. That's right. It, you know, it's interesting, Johnny, uh, every year, at, and I, I think that this happens to lots of folks and, and happens at Lent too, that all of a sudden we realize that we're we're a week away and, and all this time has gone by and we've missed all this uh, preparation. For some reason for me, uh, it seems that like this Advent season um, is not zipping by so far. Now, I know we're only on day four, but still, it doesn't <laughs> yeah, seem right. like like it's, it's, it's so hectic as usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if it's uh, because I was blessed with my trip to the Holy Land before the start oh, of, yes. of mm-hmm. Advent mm-hmm. or if it's just... Um, it's just that I am uh, able to slow down and and um, yeah. and really enter into the season the way I always want to. You know, the it, it's mm-hmm. what they say about the. Uh, you know, I always have good. Uh, you know, always always have good intentions, um, but mm-hmm. life gets in the way, and really, this needs to be our focus, right, Johnny? Mm. 
Yeah, I, I found this uh, story interesting. It was about a guy that was would not go to mass with his wife, and he said, "I don't understand this all this stuff, you know, especially as it got close to Advent." And so one Sunday, while his wife's at church, you know, he's he's got this issue with these geese that descended into his yard. It was cold. It was snowy, and. Uh, and he starts to run out there and kind of chase away and say, don't you know there's nothing here, you know? And then he thought, well, maybe they just need a place to stay. So he tried to open the barn and get the geese to go in there to keep them warm. And they wouldn't listen to him. And he says, man, if I could only be a, be a goose and I could talk to them in their language, they'd understand that I'm here to save them. Then he said, ah. Uh, now I know why you came, oh Lord. Oh, <laughs> wow. <to> tell us. <laughs> and they joined his wife at church. How about that? <laughs> well, stay with us this quarter after. In the spirit of Advent, Shane Kepler is going to join us next to talk about the biblical roots of Marian consecration. Stay with us. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for November 30th. Today we celebrate Saint Andrew. The Gospels give us little information about today's saint. We know that he was the brother of Peter, and that the two of them, both fishermen, left their nets behind to follow Jesus. We learn that from Matthew's account. In John's Gospel, we learn that before the multiplication of the loaves, it was Andrew who spoke up about the boy who had the barley loaves and fishes. Today's saint seems to have been something of a leader among the apostles. His name is regularly given prominence among them. Legend has it that Andrew preached the good news in what is now Greece and Turkey, and that he was crucified in Greece. There are some accounts of his death on an X-shaped cross, now known as St. Andrew's Cross. While we know little about the holiness of Andrew, Peter and John tend to fare best among the followers of Jesus, it is enough to know that he was an apostle. He was called personally by Jesus to proclaim the good news, to heal with Jesus' power, and to share his life and death. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. And it's 18 past the hour. Good to be with you all. Wake up this morning on this first week of Advent. And as we as we remember Mary on her way, basically, so many years ago, uh, all, only appropriate that we talk about her this morning. And if, uh, in fact, if you've ever been challenged about your devotion to Our Lady, or someone says, where's that in the Bible? Well, you're in luck. We, we've got Shane Kapler joining us this morning to talk about his book, the Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration, Devotion to the Immaculate Heart in Light of Scripture. Good morning, Jane. Good morning, Johnny. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you bet. You bet. So before we get started, there's lots of different people from different backgrounds listening. So uh, let's talk about, Shane, tell us what you uh, mean about a couple of key words here that are quite sensitive and often misused. We talk about, yeah, I know you're going to talk about intercession, devotion, and consecration. What do those words mean and what do they, what do they not mean? Okay. With intercession, we're simply saying that someone is joining us in petitioning the Lord. Um, let's see, with devotion, um, what we're talking about is 
a, a loving relationship with. So, you know, we can talk about being devoted to our wives or wives to, to their husbands. And consecration means to hand something over completely to God. So theologically speaking, human beings can only be consecrated to God. When we talk mm, okay. about consecrating ourselves, quote-unquote, to Mary, that's, we're speaking by way of analogy. It's a shorthand way of saying that we are consciously entrusting ourselves, our deepest selves, as God the Father did Jesus, and as Jesus did St. John at the foot of the cross, to Mary's maternal heart, so that through her powerful love and her intercession, her prayers for us, we will be fully consecrated, fully handed over through Jesus to the Father. So Jesus in life in the Trinity, that's the end of our devotion. Um, Jesus, he's the Alpha and the Omega of devotion to Mary. He's the reason. So I, I would start there with folks. Yeah, you know, so the big question always comes up, you know, for, for those, some non-Catholics is, well, but yeah, wait a minute now. Jesus is the sole mediator. So what you guys are doing, you're bordering here on idolatry. So those definitions become really important, right? Most definitely. And, you know, it's so interesting when people bring up that passage from Timothy about Christ being the sole mediator. Well, they never put it in the full context because St. Paul goes on to say, therefore, I want holy hands being raised up in prayer to God for hmm. kings and all those in authority. Paul's saying because Christ is our mediator, we we have access to the Father, and that includes the Blessed Mother. But, but because Jesus is our mediator, we can pray, and, and Mary's participating in that. Okay, so started with that. now we're going to jump into that, because the key of the book here is Scripture. So you gave that example there. Can you give us some more specific Old Testament and New Testament verses or events that back up the basis for consecration to Mary's heart? Okay, why don't we start in 1 Corinthians 7, and St. Paul says something really shocking. He says, if any woman has a husband who's an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she shouldn't divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is consecrated through his wife. And the unbelieving wife is consecrated through her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they're holy. Wife, how do you know whether you will save your husband? Husband, how do you know whether you will save your wife? And so Paul's talking about to, to mixed marriages about this, saying that, mm. that spouses can be instruments in Jesus' hand to, to bring their loved one to a life of consecration with him, to the waters of baptism, and then to living out that baptismal call. Well, if that's true with spouses and, and their unbelieving partners, then what does Paul tell us about Christian spouses? We go to Ephesians 5, and he talks about how the love between husband and wife manifest the love of Christ in the church, and that Jesus' purpose and, and what husbands and wives are living out is so that Christ can present himself with a spotless, pure bride without blemish. Okay, if that is true of Christian marriage, if we can be instruments in Jesus' hands, instrumental causes of another person's salvation, well then, 
how much more so can we say that about this relationship with the Blessed Mother that Jesus wishes to establish with us? When we hear Jesus there on the cross in John 19, he looks down at Mary, woman, behold your son, meaning John the Apostle, and to John, behold your mother. And then it says, from that hour, the disciple took her into his idia, and that's the Greek word, and it means into his own. We translate it in English, into his own home, but that's not what it literally says. So into his own, yes, into his home, but into his life, his interior life with God. Just as faithful Jews, Jesus and Mary spent or prayed together three times a day, so countless hours throughout their life, John entered into that, celebrating the Eucharist with Mary, meditating, praying with her on a daily basis. And we see the fruits of that in John's apostolic life and in his gospel. All of us have been reaping the fruits of John sharing his interior life with Mary. We just haven't been explicit about saying it over the centuries. So I, I think those are some, some seed beds that we can talk about a scriptural basis for Marian consecration. Yeah, so, so there's a saying that uh, Mary is the prism for the light, the light being Jesus. So we, you, you mentioned those verses about husbands and wives and being for each other. How does she specifically, I mean, Mary, consecrating ourselves to her, and, all, and her in particular, deepen our understanding and love of her son? Oh, what a great question, and, and a beautiful image about being a prism. Mary is the icon of the Church. When we look at what Scripture tells us about her, and it's, it's there, it's in Luke 1 and 2, it's in John's Gospel, it is constantly showing us through imagery, the book of Revelation 2, how Mary fulfills all of these Old Testament images. She is the new Eve. She is the prophesied daughter Zion in whom God dwells in her womb. Uh, Luke is drawing this out in his Annunciation. He's drawing from the words of Zephaniah the prophet. Mary, think about this, we extol David and Abraham, these great saints of the Old Testament. We talk about how God prepared them for their, for their role in salvation history. Mary's the touch point between heaven and earth. You better believe he prepared her for this role. And so we see in her what each of us is called to be, this dwelling place for God, and for us to give birth to the Lord Jesus in our own lives, in our prayer, our words, our actions. We want to enflesh him, and that is exactly what Mary did. The rest of the church, we live out spiritually what she lived out both spiritually and physically. Oh, that's beautiful. We're talking with Shane Kaplar, and uh, his book is The Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration, Devotion to the Immaculate Heart in Light of Scripture. Well, Shane, you know, I, I do know that uh, we've, we've talked about before there's times in history when consecration to Mary was uh, crucial to overcoming great events, evil events. Um, this is there is there any purpose or meaning to our time here and now why it's important in our age to reconsecrate ourselves to her oh man johnny it's always a perfect time to entrust ourselves to jesus in union with mary but you know we've seen how the lord drew our attention to this at fatima and in connection with the world wars and then the fall of communism and we see how communism is reasserting itself in the world, uh, the dangers that Russia poses. And so 
yeah, right now, oh, in the darkness. I mean, just the the confusion that we have about what it even means to be human beings, man and woman. We need to be consecrated to Jesus. We need him who's the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody's more surrendered to him to Mary. And so we want the Holy Spirit to unite our hearts with hers so that we can fully surrender to him and become his instruments. Loving him with the heart of Mary, that purity of heart, that's what the Lord is going to use to save souls from hell. And so it's very important at this moment. Uh, I'm assuming I'm hoping, uh, people may be saying, okay, how do I do that? How do I do this? You know, this consecration in the book, do you have any uh, information, guides, to, you know, on how one can uh, do this uh, consecration uh, for, uh, for increasing our devotion to Our Lady? Sure. Um, well, the act of consecration is, is just a simple prayer in trusting ourselves asking Jesus to unite our hearts with Mary's as we renew our baptismal vows to him. And, but you know, just like a marriage, the vows, that's, that's one thing, but it's living it out. It's really entering into Mary's life. And that's where devotion to the Immaculate Heart comes in. All those elements to be focused on the Eucharist, that's Mary's sustenance throughout life, to enter into her prayer the rosary, um, to be clothed in the garments that she makes for us, just as she made garments for Jesus, the brown scapular. Uh, it is a, it has beautiful spiritual roots in the New Testament um, in, in Jesus' garments. So I'm Thank sorry, you, I know Shane. we're short on time. You are yeah, tell welcome. us real quick, where can we get uh, the book, Shane? Oh, you could go to Amazon. Uh, my website's Explaining Christianity with, with links, uh, tan books on their website also. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for this great gift. Perfect timing, Shane. Thank you so much. It's half past the hour. It is 35 past the hour. Thanks so much for tuning in to Wake Up This Morning. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Johnny Bear and Alicia Quibido. I know we ended uh, the last interview a little bit short. We could have talked to Shane for two whole segments. So I did link his book in the comment section for today's Facebook live video. You can go check that out. That's facebook.com slash Catholic Community Radio. Our next guest is Father Nathan O'Halloran. He's a professor of religious studies at Loyola University in New Orleans and also the director of the Catholic Studies Program. And today he joins us to talk about his vocation story. Good morning, Father Nathan. Thank you so much for being with us today. Good morning, Gabby. Good to be with you. Absolutely. Father Nathan and I have gotten to know each other for the last year, a little over a year now. And Father Nathan, you are so busy that I never really got to sat, sit down with you and ask you, what was your call to Jesuit life, to the priesthood? So uh, start from the beginning. Sure. Well, the beginning starts <laughs> when I was seven years old. And, you know, I grew up in southern New Mexico on a place called the Lord's Ranch, which was a Catholic, like a lay Catholic um, missionary community. And one of the members of that community was uh, an old Mexican woman. I thought she was old at the time. She's still alive, of course, Blanca Corona. Uh, she was at my ordination. But we were sorting beans together. You know, a lot of, if you buy those 50-pound pound sack of beans, um, they often come with little pebbles in it. And so we were sorting out the pebbles. 
at the kitchen table, and she asked me, you know, in Spanish. She, I, I can't remember if she looked up or not. She just said, "Have you ever thought of being a priest?" And um, mm-hmm. and I said, "Yeah." And that that was really where it got started. Was just that you know she put that idea in my mind, and I started praying with that. And it was at the age of 14, I was praying in the chapel, you know, kind of a, a pious kid. And I wrote down in my journal, which I still have today, um, I'm going to be a priest, I've decided. Wow. <laughs> wow. Very simple. That's amazing. And, well, and, and 14, that is such a young age to decide something like that. I think it's such a mature decision. Uh, you know, we it happens differently for everyone, whether they hear the call later in life or in the middle of, you know, an engineering class in college. That seems to be a common theme for some reason. Uh, but uh, this is so unique. And what was your decision to join the Jesuits and be a part of that religious order? Right. So, of course, yeah, 14. I mean, I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't know what I was getting into. But I did go to college. I went off to Steubenville. And, um, yeah, which was a Franciscan university. Everyone always asked me, why did you join the Jesuits when you went to a Franciscan university? And the truth is, first, I looked at diocesan life. I spent a week living with a friend of mine who was a diocesan priest and just realized I needed community. Uh, I felt called to live in community. I also felt called to the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, uh, particularly poverty. I wanted to live that path. Um, and so my senior year of college, I did a, a version of St. Ignatius' spiritual exercises with my spiritual director. He kind of walked me through them. And it was while I was doing those exercises that uh, it wasn't it wasn't a clear call to be a, a Jesuit. It was a clear call to follow St. Ignatius, um, to put myself kind of under his mentorship. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is because my spiritual director went on to found a community in Denver called the Servants of Christ Jesus, who also kind of follow the path of St. Ignatius, follow the the, uh, the rule of St. Ignatius. And, and that was kind of an initial discernment. Was I supposed to join him in, in helping kind of start that new group or join the Jesuits? And I just, I felt deeply called to to join the order that Ignatius had founded. So that's how I ended up joining that's, the Jesuits, despite all my friends, many of whom warned me, you know, not to join the Jesuits. <laughs> <laughs> Father Nathan, so many people are drawn to, so many people are drawn to the spiritual exercises of Saint Ignatius of Loyola. What was it for you, and and why do you think people are drawn to that? Yeah, it was the first retreat manual for an individual, you know, and and I think. Yeah, I think there was just a, a yearning for that, for some kind of, not formula, you know, but like for a path, a, a path that could be given to someone to say, use this, and this will help you to develop your relationship with Jesus, to get free from some of your disordered attachments, and to discover the will of God for your life. Um, and that's a great promise that the spiritual exercises and fulfill, you know, um, that if a person does these exercises, they're going to get free and they're going to hear the voice of the Lord. Ignatius was very intent on that, you know, and, and he has these little guidelines for the director of the exercises at the beginning that say, don't get in the way between the person and God, because God is going to speak mm-hmm. in you and the person's going to hear the voice of God and they're going to come away 
with an understanding of God's will for their life. And, and this is what so many people want to know is what is God's will for my life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So how did you end up in New Orleans, specifically at Loyola? Well, you know, so I am from New Mexico, and New Mexico is part of what's called the, the Central Southern Province, which is the southern region of the Jesuits in the United States. Um, and during our formation as Jesuits, we, you know, we do two years of novitiate, and we do some philosophy studies. I was in New York. Then I was sent to New Orleans to teach for three years at Jesuit High School, and that's how I began to get to know this city, which I've come to love so much. Uh, and then I was sent away again to finish my theology studies in California and then to do get ordained and do doctoral work in Notre Dame. And then at the end of that, you know, there was just this, this process of discernment of where to go from here, you know, which university to go to. And uh, Loyola emerged as a, as a possibility. I got a call from Father Daffron, who was the vice president for mission at the time, currently the interim president here at Loyola. And, and he just said, if you come here, you know, I'd love for you to take over this Catholic studies program and try to build it up. And I just felt the calling there. I felt like the Lord was inviting me to come back to this city and to take on something really exciting like this and, and to work at a place where I developed so many friendships while I was at Jesuit High School. So. I'll say the reason I'm here is because I felt called here. You know, it wasn't just like this was the best job fit. Uh, it was it was the calling. Well, you do such a great job with gathering young adults and teaching them a little bit more about the Catholic faith, especially at a university like Loyola. Uh, but talk about the Catholic Studies program. I mean, you are everywhere, whether it's on podcasts or conferences or anything. I feel like I'm always seeing you on different events and posters or or featuring on different shows. I, I think, yeah, I think that what the Catholic Studies program here at Loyola is supposed to do um, in the center, the Canizero Center for Catholic Studies, is really to promote um, this vision and identity of Loyola as a Catholic university. And, and there are many students who are attracted to that, you know, who want to come to Loyola, who are from this city or from this area, and they want to come to Loyola because it's a Catholic school. And search for community, because we all know that college students are desperate for community. This is what they're looking for the most. And, you know, mm -hmm. for my heart is warmed the most by the students who come and say, you know, I wasn't sure after my freshman year if I wanted to stay at Loyola, and then I found this community, and, and that's why I stayed, right? Because I found a home here. Mm -hmm. I found a place where I could find Catholic community and experience Catholic community. So that's my main goal. Mm -hmm. You know, there are academic goals. Um, what I say, the line I say is that the mission of Catholic studies as a loyal is to communicate to students the mind of Christ and the heart of Jesus. And that has an intellectual component and it has an affective community component. And if I can give them both in some way, then, then I've uh, achieved my mission here. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Uh, we have about 30 seconds left. May we ask for a priestly blessing from you? Sure. Um, may the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Mm -hmm. Lord, I ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon all of our listeners, that they may know your love today, that they may, their minds may be filled with the mind of Christ, their hearts may be conformed to the heart of Jesus. We ask all this by invoking the blessing of the Most Holy Trinity, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Nathan O'Halloran at Loyola University in New Orleans. Thank you for being with us today. You're welcome. God bless you. All right. And I will see you soon. (laughs) Stay with us. It is 45 past the hour on Wake Up. Good morning. It's 12 minutes before the hour on Wake Up. We're so glad you're with us this morning. We are joined by Letitia Adams. We are talking about her new book, Our Lady of Hot Messes, Getting Real with God in Dive Bars and Confessionals. Letitia (laughs) is an author and a speaker. Good morning, Letitia. Good morning. How are you? Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm so glad that you're joining us this morning. When this book came across my desk, I was like, oh, you know what? This might be one for me. Um, before, <laughs> before we dive into the book, Our Lady of Hot Messes, uh, you, you talk about speaking and writing for people who are going through life, but don't know how to show up in their own life. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I think that so many times we assume that um, we have to be perfect in order to show up anywhere, right? So, mm-hmm. so I hear all the time so many people that are saying, you know, I feel like I don't belong. I feel out of place. I feel like there's no group of people that I belong to or whatever. And I think so many times that that is because we feel as if we have to show up imitating everyone around us. And that's just Mm -hmm. not how God made us. God made us specifically to be ourselves. And once we get to know him, we know ourselves even better. And then we can show up in all of our spaces, completely rooted in the knowledge that we are good. We are made how we're supposed to be. Our, you know, little quirky laugh or our inability to keep up with a planner. I am awful at keeping up with planners, keeping up with appointments. <laughs> right. um, I, I, over, I overbook myself all the time, and it always ends up working out because it's God's plan. Like, um, I think that we just have to really, really, really learn to trust Him with everything, with our personalities, to trust that He made us in a way that is going to be best suited for the spaces that we show up in. Right. I love it. I love it. Okay. Now the places that, that he shows up for us now, now you say that you met Jesus in a dive bar when you were 18 years old. So I've got to know more about that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, um, I fell in love with bartending, uh, being a cashier behind a bar at a Mexican restaurant. And so it was the thing that I just assumed was the coolest job ever because I was 17. So as soon as I turned 18, I got a, in Texas, you have to have what's called a TBC license in order to be able to sell alcohol. And I got a job as a day bartender in a pool hall. And I thought it was going to be so many different things. Like it's going to be so much fun and excitement and there's just going to be stuff happening. And that is not what happens at a day bar in a pool hall. Um, (laughs) What happens is you get regulars who've been coming to that bar for 10, 15 years, and they show up every day on time as soon as the doors open, 11 a.m. They show up, they're, you know, hung over from the night before or whatever, and, you know, they liven up around the third round. And the thing is that what that really taught me, and I didn't know that that's what it was teaching me when I was 18, but (laughs) after my conversion and understanding and reading the Gospels of how Christ shows up with um, 
sinners to eat mm-hmm. and have fun. The wedding of Cana, you know, you know, Jesus liked to have fun. He was at a wedding. He wasn't there just to, you know, sulk in the corner. He right. was having a good time. <laughs> right. And um, and so in all of those stories, it just really brought home to me that in that guy bar when I was 18 and I was talking to those regulars and they showed up as themselves and um, taught me a lot of things about life, like, you know, how to stand up for myself, how not Mm -hmm. to put up, you know, I I would do the thing where I would talk about, you know, whatever guy I was dating, and they would just give me relationship advice. And then, (laughs) you know, they taught me how to talk about politics, like they were older gentlemen. And um, they taught me about Leonard Skinner and how great type (laughs) our music is. So, I mean, all of these things, and I never felt as if I had to be a certain kind of way, Uh I could just show up to work every day as myself and they showed up every day as themselves and there was no um you need to do this or you should do that or do you know what your problem is you know and it came with challenges of like well maybe you shouldn't be drinking every day at 11 a.m or whatever (laughs) but (laughs) you know um and they tried to talk me out of smoking marble reds of course so like all of those things those uh you know (laughs) All of those things taught me that, you know, that's how Christ shows up with us, right? He yes. just shows up and yeah. we show up as ourselves. Wow. Yeah. Uh, let's jump into your book, Our Lady of Hot Messes, Getting Real with God in Dive Bars and Confessionals. It is a funny, heartbreaking, uh, this this book just covers it all. So, so talk about uh, why you wrote the book and tell us a little bit about your story. We don't have that much time. I think we could have a whole show with you, Letitia, but let's jump in a little bit of, into the book. Yeah. Um, so the reason why I really wanted to write this book and I wanted it to be as true, I mean, it is as true, it's very true, but as um, authentic as possible is that I feel as if so many people feel as if they fall short of the ideal Catholic woman, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, we have a lot on our plate. Yes. We um, see the world through the eyes of a mother through the eyes of women, even if we don't have our own children. Um, and so much of that now with social media can easily make us feel as if we're falling short. Our house is not clean enough. Our kids mm-hmm. are not praying the family rosary on Fridays or whatever mm-hmm. the case might be. We're comparing, comparing, comparing. And the one thing about me is that I am a complete mess. Like <laughs> I don't, I, I am. And that I, that's why I believe in God because somehow, some way, things always work out for me, mm-hmm. um, and it is Him 100%. So I wanted to write a book that showed you can be yourself, and God is still going to delight in you, delight in your um, quirkiness, your sense of humor, your failure. Sometimes He laughs mm-hmm. so hard whenever I attempt to do something in a different way than I know I'm supposed to do it. And then it fails. And he's just like kind of looking at me like, Oh yeah. You know, kind of how we do with our own children when we tell them, this is how you should do this. And they're like, yeah, sure mom. And they go do their own thing. Um, We don't love them any less. And sometimes we do laugh at how we were correct. Right. Right. Um, So I just wanted to write a book that really, really sent that message to people that you are good enough, that God does love you. He loves you more than you think he does. And um, we don't have to show up perfect. He's the one that makes us perfect. I love it. Letitia Adams, you say, I still make mistakes, 
but I'm trying not to live as a hot mess even when things around me are messy. Isn't that wonderful? So Our Lady of Hot Mess is getting real with God in dive bars and confessionals. Let our listeners know where they can pick up a copy. Um, You can get it from Alvamira Press uh, website or Amazon. And I really, I I, uh, actually lose money if you get it on Amazon, but I really feel strongly that if we can get it into the eyeballs of people who would never pick up a book, the cover is beautiful, the title is a great title, it catches people's attention, then God can do amazing things with that. Awesome, awesome. Letitia Adams, so wonderful visiting with you. Check out Ave Maria Press to pick up your copy of Our Lady of Hot Messes. What a great book. Johnny, I, I don't know it. if that's a book for you, but it's for sure one for me. So. Uh, it's, it's on yeah. our Christmas list for the ladies in my life. Right? Definitely. Right? It's a yes. wonderful book. And, well, those guys do were a mess, too. But, uh, that's right. Well, what a way, great uh, <laughs> set, set of guests for preparing for Advent, huh? Yeah, so this, this first week. Well, let's call on our uh, St. Andrew in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Lord, just as the blessed Apostle Andrew was for you, uh, your church a preacher and a pastor so he may be for us a constant intercessor before you for us your people and as he brought others to your son may we follow his example this advent and lead our own brothers and sisters to the good news that you eternally come to us in spirit and in the eucharist we pray this in the, through our lord jesus christ your son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the holy spirit god forever and ever amen amen the father and of the son of the holy spirit amen Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. We're talking to Brian Butler with Echo Community, David Dawson Jr., and so much more. Have a wonderful Wednesday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Radio.